Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketing Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's podcast, we dove into the idea of leveraging your contact database to grow your business, specifically for B2B organizations. So it was a good one. It was a fun one. Kind Love of this one. Long passionate. overdue. And yeah, I think we are so passionate that we may yeah. have gone off topic a couple of times because there's so much to talk about when it comes to, in so many different ways, you can leverage your contact database, leverage data in general to grow your business. So hope you enjoy. All right, Taylor, we're back in the studio for another episode. And today we're talking about leveraging contacts for businesses that are trying to market. So what did you want to call your title yeah, of the podcast? The most cliche marketing title of all time, leveraging contacts for your 2020 vision. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I think we need to get right into it, you know, and I think we as marketers know the value of it. We talk a lot about why they need to leverage contacts. Mm -hmm you know, beyond just the first name, last name, how do you add more context, you yeah. know, where do they work, their preferences, their social profile, there's so much stuff we can get just from an email address. Yep. And I think we need to talk about everything that you can do with contact data and how to maximize ROI. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you kind of look at the evolution of, I guess, marketing sales, specifically when we're talking about B2B, right? Because yep. we're a B2B organization, a majority of our clients are in the B2B space. So it's kind of the world that we live in. So just to provide some context around this podcast here, not to say that if you're B2C or e-commerce, you can't listen to this podcast, but we're talking about the value of contacts. And historically, like I was saying, if you look at the evolution of it, it was almost like, okay, you had your Rolodex of contacts, it was like name, phone yep. number, and that was like your most valuable asset. And then email became a thing and you had direct access to people's, you know, computers and then ultimately smartphones. And now you know, SMS and text, and then it, it kind of exploded into push notifications. And there's so much that it was like, I don't want that it became perception. The perception was that it became less valuable, right? Because like, those are spam emails, right? The term spam just was associated with any company that emailed you for whatever reason, not what it actually right. is, which is a, a spam email. But I think we're seeing that trend reverse. And there's a lot of statistics to, you know, kind of back up that theory. And one of the the ones that sticks out to me is a couple of years ago, there was a number of studies and kind of publications that talked about that. It was the first time ever that data was the world's most valuable asset, mm -hmm. surpassing oil, right? So you see this trend in B2C. So yeah. I mean, obviously, companies like Google and Amazon and Netflix and Uber and all these companies, right? Especially when you dive into the business model, I mean, you look at Uber, Google rather, like, okay, is this free platform? That makes is billions free? of dollars. Like how do free? they make money? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So they make money in a lot of different ways, but everything they do is revolving around data, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with Amazon. They're willing to, you know, pay a thousand dollars to acquire you as a customer to buy, you know, toothpaste. A, right. Toothpaste. Yeah. So it's like, why are they doing that? Because they want your attention, they want your data. I mean, they want you and they want to be in your home. <laughs> well, and yeah. that's the thing is, yeah, I mean, even these companies have been around forever, you know, banks, credit card companies, yeah. mortgage you know, lenders, all these. And it's like you look at it further. It's just, you know, everyone is fighting to have the most accurate, up to date data. And the reason is because when leveraged properly, that is your most valuable asset. And so 
there's all different types of data. So when we're talking about getting right in the internet, there's, you know, things like cookie data, right? So do you want to explain kind of everybody? Yes, what, you know, cookie data absolutely. Is? So every time you go to a website, whether you know it or not, there's a small little pixel being dropped into your browser that will then track what you did. And when you come back, then that gives more information back to the server, for the right. one that dropped it the first time. So they're tracking essentially our behavior so that they can market it to if they wanted to or they knew how to. Right? Yeah, there's so, a lot of, yeah. And I think for whatever reason, whenever they, when that idea was invented, as with a lot of data, at the time, you don't always know the possibilities, right? You don't mm -hmm. know how you can leverage that data. Cookie data, I think, is a perfect example because I think even if you're not running the most common applications of cookie data for, you know, the standard digital market would be like a remarketing ad, right? Yeah. So you... Someone comes to your website, then you show ads to them when they're, you know, checking the weather or checking sports or checking their email or whatever it is. You can kind of show ads to them when they're on Facebook. So that's what you would see like a standard application of cookie data. But even if you're not doing that today, you should still be capturing that data. And the beauty of, you know, the world that we live in and the digital landscape is that there may be applications for some of this data that we're not even aware of yet. And we saw that with, you know, email and phone right. number and contact information that email data used to just be, okay, well, you send them an email, right? And now you can upload a custom audience of customers or contacts to Facebook and then pair that with other cookie data from other websites. I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do. So not to get you know, off track, track there, right? but I think one thing to take away from something like cookie data or contacts or data in general is we know it's already so valuable and there's so many untapped you know, possibilities or untapped potential that that could be coming in the future that it's even going to become more valuable. Let's talk a little bit about contacts that companies have today that they don't even know that they need to track. Yeah. I was just thinking, every company has a customer database, right. everybody has a prospect database, everyone has a past customer database, right. right? Like they have data of, you know, partners, perhaps they're all contacts, but it's all saved in different places. Yep. We had a client one time that was a B2B, B2C and e-commerce in one, which is very rare. They had a store yep. that they were selling things. Yep. They had partners that are reselling and they had direct customers would walk in at their retail store and they were in three different systems. The e-commerce never spoke to their POS system and their POS system never knew anything about their partners who were reselling their products. And it was a mess. And we had to work really hard to combine it and then really figure out how do you leverage the partners and grow that side of business versus the direct versus the e-commerce. Yeah, perfect. So thanks for bringing us back <laughs> to the, the right subject. So when we're talking about, what we're talking about today is essentially leveraging actual contact database yeah. specifically for B2Bs, right? And mm -hmm. so as a B2B organization, what we see a lot is you have longer sales cycle, Cycles. sales process. You have maybe a higher ticket item or if not the initial sales higher ticket, you have a high lifetime value because you have a lot of repeat customers. And we work with a lot of companies that their bread and butter and was all referrals, word of mouth. You know, they just, they did a really good job at servicing their customers, which led to long-term customers and referrals and they've seen growth, growth over the years, right? So whenever we kind of talk about marketing, the idea is, well, now you have to go and market to somebody new. When in fact, it really should be the opposite, right? If the most valuable, if all of your revenue or majority of your revenue comes from your existing customers and contacts, that is who you should be marketing to right. at least, you know, have an effort to that. Of course, you want to focus on new client acquisition. So 
let's look at contacts, right? So you have a database of contacts, whether you have a true CRM that has, like you said, different fields and properties, and maybe it's broken down based on current customers, past customers, prospects, whatever that is, or, you know, you have an Excel spreadsheet or your act, it's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we've seen pretty much everything, whatever that is, that contact database, that is a true goldmine if you really, really focus in on that and have the proper data within that. So when we look at contacts, there's really two different types of data that you would have within that. You have explicit information and implicit information, right? So the explicit information of your contact database is what your customers are telling you, right? So when they fill out the form on your website the first time, it tells you their company name, their email, Mm -hmm. and their phone number, whatever that is, right? So the implicit information is, this is where the technology can come into play. So this is what you were talking about with behavioral data. What pages on your website are they looking at? Are they opening your emails? How often do they you know, return your calls? What else are they interested in? How big is their company, right? Can we enhance some of this data through other third-party integrations to say that you know, when they put their company name in or their domain, we can look up maybe their top competitors or we can look at you know, their social. revenue year over year, their social media profiles or what they're doing in the news. Those are kind of other implicit information and data points that we can kind of pull in. So what we want to talk about is marketers. True, you know, marketing in 2020 is going to be a combination of leveraging both the implicit information and the explicit information. And really, it's all about personalization, right? You want to make sure that it's personalized to the intent and proper context that that contact is actually looking for. So yes, email is one delivery method that you can send that to, but there's a lot of other things that you can do by having the proper data, both implicit and explicit within your contact database. So there's three things that I really wanted to make sure that we covered today. Segmentation of your audience, scoring of your audience, and then building out automation. So the first topic we'll talk about is is segmentation. And just to kind of give, you know, the Webster's definition of of segmentation, (laughs) essentially, that would be dividing your contacts into smaller groups based on similar characteristics, right? So this could be both implicit and explicit, right? It could be industry, it could be company, it could be revenue in terms of company size, number of employees. Partners versus customers. And these would typically be unique to whatever criteria is important to you in your sales process, right? So if, for example, you are in the B2B space and you're selling a software that is specifically tailored to HR or specifically tailored to finance or whatever that is, but the pricing for your software is based on a per user, a per seat, right? So number of employees would be more important to you than a manufacturing company that, you know, you're just working based on project size, right? It doesn't matter how many employees they have. So the criteria that you have for segmentation needs to be something that is uniquely important to your sales process and the ultimate value of that contact. Right. And most of the time, again, I don't think it's organized in a way. Sometimes it's in a CRM system. Mm -hmm. And only a few people in the company have access to the CRM system because they're on a per seat, like you said, license or whatever it might be. And then others in the company can't add any data to it. They can't add notes to it. And I think that's a lot of times I see as a challenge. How can my associate add some data into it? So for instance, you may have a help desk software Mm -hmm. where all the emails are copied from all the touch points that you had, but that may not be synced with your CRM system. So it's like 
data is everywhere for every organization. Yeah, or even your, your QuickBooks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another very critical data. That's the most important data. We always talk about taking cues from B2C marketing yes. and bringing in the B2B. It's an episode in itself, right? But you got to go exactly. listen to. But I, I think one thing that B2C does really well from the segmentation, I mean, we talked about e-commerce, right? Amazon, we talked about Amazon again already today. Of course, if you buy, you know, the pajama pants, they're going to send you an email to buy the pajama top, right? Correct. They take that purchase behavior and then they target you with ads and emails and all the sorts of things. And then we talk about a B2B organization that, you know, has clients that are worth tens or hundreds or, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or possibly millions of dollars. And they've been clients for five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever that is. So these clients are extremely valuable to us. <laughs> and we get all these purchase orders coming in on a weekly, monthly, you know, daily basis, whatever that is. And we're not using that data at all to market to them more specifically and provide more value to them, right? So that's another thing when we talk about segmentation, it doesn't necessarily have to be just, you know, some of those static ideas of company size or revenue or industry, right? Yes, that's a great start for a lot of B2B companies, especially in more traditional spaces. If they can just segment their database by industries, and right. send emails or, you know, white papers, whatever it is, books, whatever. Do, yeah, it yeah. could be a direct mail, could be a text message, could be, you know, cold call campaign that, you know, if you can break down by industry, yes, it will likely be more successful than just sending it out to the masses. But you layer that on top of other activities like past purchase behavior, right? That's when it starts to become more powerful. What's the second part mm-hmm. that we're going to teach our team? So the second piece, we talked about segmentation. Second piece is scoring. So the idea here is that you're essentially assigning a value or you're ranking your contacts based on certain criteria that reflects a perceived value of that contact, right? So let so me get... not all contacts are worth equal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there is an idea. In a... Wait, so if I buy a list of 5,000 people <laughs> on some website... From a trade show, that is not... Yeah, and that's an important distinction too to make is that when we're... We are talking about your contact database, but the reason that contact database is more valuable than oil, right? And that data is more valuable than oil is because there is that context piece that we've talked about. If you are just buying a list of email addresses and reaching out to them, that I believe that has less relevance or less context, then at least you can go to that same person's LinkedIn profile and reach out to them, right? right. So when we talk about emailing to people, it's going to be far less efficient and effective if you're just emailing people who don't know who you are. So what we're really focusing on today is contacts that are gained organically, gained through your the process of doing business, doing marketing, someone who's reached out to you, they've given you their email address, essentially. But yeah, so when we're talking about scoring those contacts, so you set a certain set of criteria, and this is obviously unique to every business, but it is both a combination of that implicit and explicit information. So we could just use ourselves, you know, for an example, right? So if we said, you know, we had a lead in our system, we would set certain criteria and basically give them points based on if they hit those criteria, right? So let's say, it's a, you know, a manufacturing company, right? So that would give, you know, plus 10 points for us, right? And then let's say their revenue is between, you know, 10 and $100 million. So we give them another 10 points or maybe 50 points or whatever that is. And the contact is actually, his title is, you know, VP of marketing rather than a, you know, marketing strategist, right? So it gets right. more points there. And then let's say they 
been to our website three times in the last 30 days. More points there. They've downloaded an ebook. More points there. They've responded to phone calls or emails or whatever that is. We've had some conversation. Obviously, the closer they get to making a purchase, that's where we're adding more and more points and doing that scoring. So you can also add negative points for somebody who is unresponsive or someone who's unsubscribed maybe even or has gone cold because they we've given them a proposal, but they haven't opened an email in the last 30 days, right? So Correct. there's a lot. Or that, they don't open any email newsletters. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, you can add criteria based on both sales and marketing activities, right? So the idea is there is that you want to build out and map out your sales process essentially, right? And the easiest way to do this is kind of sit with your sales team and say, okay, well, you know, what is a perfect customer look like? Paint that picture and say, okay, that's a hundred, right? Mm -hmm. If we had somebody that hit this, 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 and this based on their criteria, plus the behavior criteria. So they're engaged with all their emails. They answer, you know, within a certain amount of time, you know, we've talked to them at least uh, once a week or whatever that is. That's a higher value of a lead. Couple that again with past purchase behavior. Maybe they were a customer in the past. Okay. That's a perfect client. So that's a score of a hundred. And then you add those negative criteria, negative components, and you kind of build out a scoring system. And the idea there again is to help your manual efforts. You want to be able to prioritize. Uh, if you have a sales team that is manually going through and creating lists or creating follow-up tasks, those sorts of things, you want to make sure they are spending their efforts in the right area or that they can say, hey, I really want to start warming up some of these you know, low-grade, low-quality leads because I think there's an opportunity there, but they're not engaging with our marketing efforts, so we need some sales activity. So there's a lot that can be done on that and how you want to interpret the data. But the idea is, again, really further segmentation based on some additional criteria. And then the third piece, I believe, kind of ties it all together. So the third topic is automation. Right. And this happens both from a marketing and a sales standpoint. Essentially, automating different activities based on rules or triggers or events. And it really kind of ties the first two, which is segmentation and scoring together. So automation could happen via email through marketing. It could happen through adding a task for a salesperson to follow up. Creating um, a deal automatically. Creating a deal. Yeah. Moving those stages. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the idea here is term automation kind of has a negative connotation. But when we talk about marketing automation or sales automation, it really just augments our efforts, right? It allows us to do more as marketers, allows us to, Less be, time. to be more efficient as salespeople. So especially in B2B, I mean, business is based on relationships, is based on doing business with other people, which is why we're talking about your value of your contact database is so important because that is it's no different than if you pull out your phone right now and your contacts, right? If I say, hey, you know, Solomon, do you know this person? Do you know the CEO of this company? And you can pull out your phone and call yep. them. The reason it's valuable is not because you have their number, is because they're going to pick up on the other end. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified or Maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. 
talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at One IMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic. For today. When we talk about automation, again, it's never going to replace that person you picking up the phone and calling. What's going to allow us to do is make sure that we're talking to the right people at the right time. Yeah. And also every single time, one of the biggest flaws in business is the process is inconsistent. Yeah. Right. That is a huge part. In every single instance, I look, what do you do with the lead? I don't know. I print it out and I give it to Lucy. Lucy would, you know, reach out once and then, you know, we'll see if she calls back. Yeah. That's really a nice idea. We should continue to do that. I right. hope that what if Lucy's sick? What happens when Lucy's out of the office? Well, we'll stack it up. And I mean, I've talked to companies that says I have hundreds of leads to follow up on. I'm yeah. like, really? To follow up on? When do you plan on doing that? Right. If they would kind of do something that's consistent again, it goes out and you can start to see who's engaging so you can change the score accordingly. And Lucy can look at the ones that are 90 plus or yep. whatever it might be and and not the ones, you know, aren't even going to pick up the phone. And I think the consistency part means more to me than the automation lets me do consistency. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing that you can do. Yep. You know that every lead is going to be handled the same way. And if you have, let's say, like you said, segment by industry, I got my SMB, mm-hmm. I got my enterprise, or I got my partnership, right? Mm-hmm. And leads would go down the right funnel because nobody have to sit there and sort things out. Mm-hmm. Removing the human element anytime you can so they can make less mistakes. Well, and the human element is what sets the criteria, right? But like you said, as humans, we we make mistakes or we lack some discipline sometimes or, you know, the consistency won't be there because, you know, you have a good phone call with the person. So you figured, you know, the deal is closed so we can skip this step, right? (laughs) Or we don't have to send the proposal out here. We don't have to create a task because... I was in my car when I took the phone call and now I can't you know, enter the notes into the CRM or whatever that may be. That lack of consistency, like you said, causes a lot of blind spots in the sales process as well as in communication through marketing. And so if we can eliminate that by mapping out, because the sales team or the marketing team knows what, exactly what, do. what it should look like on a perfect scenario. So you map out that perfect scenario. And then you set those criteria and you automate the steps that are commonly missed. Like you said, moving the deal stage, creating an opportunity, creating a follow-up task, reminding you when you are overdue on that follow-up task. So anything that can help you be more effective and efficient with your job, I think is going to be powerful. And I think automation is a huge piece of that. When we're talking about the automation on the marketing side, that is something that I believe can be even more powerful because of those first two things that we talked about. So the segmentation and then the scoring, that results in a very personalized message. Um, So like you said, it's broken down by SMB. It's a different message inherently than enterprise. So it's already in a different bucket. And then we tack on some other things. So now we know the industry that they're in, not just the size of the company. They're going to be in a further, you know, a smaller bucket there. Then we take some of those behavioral characteristics and then based on if they downloaded assets in the past, you obviously don't want to send them the same ebook they've already downloaded. downloaded or something along those lines. You also look at, you know, how often they're engaging and then add some of those lead scoring in terms of type of opportunity. 
So that helps with the email automation. Then based on some of those scoring criteria, let's say someone's downloaded an ebook on our website, they attended a webinar, they've opened three emails, you know, three out of the last three emails that we've sent, and they've been on our website twice in the last two weeks, but they have not reached out to us. Not only have we set triggers to automate some of those email that they're interacting with, now I think we want to send some automation to assign a task for a salesperson to actually call them because they have not, they've opened our emails, they've been to our website, but they've not maybe booked a time on our calendar or they haven't reached out to us proactively. So we need to reach out to them. And so that's where, like I said, you can combine the marketing automation and the sales automation, not to replace anybody, but to save time and to be laser focused with your efforts. Yeah. To me, like I said, you have to find your inefficiencies. So that person who was doing it manually could do something more valuable for the company than to sit here and sort of lead. Sorry, I'm just using an Mm -hmm. example. It's only going to help the organization reach its goals. You know, one thing that we need to think about is by having more data, I think we talk about this internally quite a lot. You know your prospects, you know your leads, it's all in the same place. You now know who's been to your website, who hasn't been to your website, who's inbound, who's outbound. You can run reports. Mm -hmm. Think about that, right? You have the same amount of structured data. Everybody's got the same fields filled out. And so everybody's on the same page. So everything is in the same database. Look, if you're an organization that have, like we do, help desk is in a different system and your CRM is different and your QuickBooks or whatever you might be running, you can do APIs to connect the things together so that you can have context. Mm -hmm. Because ideally, I would think the data has to be in one place that everybody has access to or everyone who needs to see it so that you can run those reports so that marketing team has access to past customers and sales team has access to, you know, whatever they need to be able to do that. For instance, like you said, the Facebook ad thing, the biggest challenge is, well, can we get the Excel spreadsheet or whatever of the data? Uh, I see. I'm not sure we've emailed or we asked or whatever. It's never going to come, right? Because they don't even have it. Mm -hmm. It's not that they don't want to do it. They don't know where to get it. And that's the challenge I think we're really trying to help organizations fix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, like you're saying, with the reports and all this kind of stuff, how you interpret the data or how you're going to interpret the data in the future, you might not even know yet, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be keeping track of that. Right. And so the more information that you have within your contact database, which is why, like I said, for many B2B companies, it is their most valuable asset. You might not know what you're going to do in the future with it, but the more granular you can get with that data, the more valuable it will be when it comes time to actually leverage the data. I mean, we work with a lot of companies that they upsells, cross-sells, those sorts of things are hard to establish because they have one main point of contact, right? And then they might lose out on that company that they've had for five years or 10 years because there was internal you know, turnover, right? Uh, their main point of contact retires or you know, gets fired or gets a new job or even just transfers departments. And then you lose that point of contact that you've just been calling or you've been relying on them calling you to make a purchase. And there's been no other nurturing of that account of that company. There's been no further education of your offering, your services, the value that you're bringing to the table. And then, you know, whoever the new person is just going to start over again, switch companies or try to do it internally or, you know, they're not going to pay you essentially. So that's the other reason I think that there's so much value in that contact database because that is how most B2B companies work, especially if it is a repeat business, whether they're paying a monthly fee subscription or they're continuously buying on an annual basis from you. You need to not only have all of that data, you need to leverage that data and nurture 
not just that contact, but that organization. I think this is so valuable for huge companies, enterprise companies, a couple of things, um, whether it's an AT&T or a Comcast, they get new reps or your payroll company. I used to get this from Monster. They get a new rep in your area and they send an email out of nowhere, blind carbon copy, maybe with a bunch of other people that says, hey, I am your new rep with no context of whether I'm actual client or not. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, they don't know why I canceled if I was the client. They don't know who is my current provider. Yeah. They blindly send emails that payrolls company do the same thing. Oh, I am the new rep for ADP or whatever. So therefore I'm supposed to do what? Like reply your email, like meet with you. Right. Yeah. And that happens on the other end too. That's, that's the yeah. sad reality. Yeah. Like if they, like, let me tell you, reality, this is the best part. If I give you an email address of anybody we talked to the last six years in five seconds, you can tell me who all reached out to them, yeah. how many times, right. whether or not they replied. And that is the most valuable asset that we right. have. The right. ability for you to tell me in five seconds what we did with that email. Exactly. Big companies cannot produce that same result because we had the same consistent system for so many years. Yeah. And everybody who's contacted that company has been logged. We have the power to be able to do right. that. Yeah. And the alternative to that is... Excel spreadsheets? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that Which requires a lot of manual, which if somehow you had a consolidated manual entry that everyone mm -hmm. contributed to and that was semi-accurate, I would be pretty impressed with that. But in reality, what happens is all of that data and information lives and dies with that main point of contact. So Correct. if it's the account rep or the sales rep Horrible. and they leave, because you could have a sales rep, same sales rep for 10 years. And like you said, if you they don't you, need it, you give them a name, they yeah. know who that right. person is when the last time they talked to them. They might know all of that. Correct. But if they leave, can't take that to the bank. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, and I think we've been very adamant about setting up some of these things because we know what you can do with it. So we can run reports of past customers or this or that, certain types of companies, areas, you know, so zip codes or whatever you wanted to mm -hmm. sort it by. And I wish that other companies could do the exact same thing, right? Mm -hmm. The same things that we all have access to is just how they use the data, how do they, what their infrastructure is so they can run the reports and actually run better campaigns. There's nothing, you know, worse for that prospect to get an email from you when they're already a client, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. There's nothing more worse than they told you not to contact them and you're contacting them. Yep. I think that's where the challenge is. The, the relevance and the, the accuracy context. of the data. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Which, or yeah, it relies on the accuracy of the data. So, and you're emailing people who are no longer in charge of that, or you're getting emails back saying this person no longer works here. The mm -hmm. data is everything. And if you think this data of 5,000 or 10,000 records is accurate, they probably switched jobs three times since you've emailed yep. them last, right? right. So, and working on that, and first of all, having it, consolidating it, and working with that data and enhancing it. Like there's tools that we use to enhance data, like mm -hmm. Clearbit and Full Contact or whatever. Mm -hmm. That we'll have a lot of context about it. Company description names, right? Anything you want, you could do that today. Right. Whatever. Once yeah. you realize that this is your most valuable asset, you would spend money on enhancing that data. Right. Yeah. Whatever is beneficial to you, right? Correct. In that sales process. I mean, if you're a company like us, right, then we can enhance data about the actual website of the person that reaches out because everything that we do for them revolves around their website, right? So Correct. you can have different domain metrics and technologies they use <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But other companies, it's going to be different, right? Like I said, if it's based on company size or size of specific department or revenue, revenue yeah. or, you know, if you're number selling, of locations, if you're selling, yeah, you're selling exactly. If they, if it's a retail specific product, you're selling, you know, graphics or images or, you know, point of sale system, or whatever it's based on maybe 
number of locations or transaction you know value or it could be a number of things you're selling something to sales reps right you need to know the size of the sales force not necessarily how much revenue they make is how yeah. many people do they have that are right. on the sales team so right. Most of that information is out there on the internet, on the internet, <laughs> because again, data is so valuable. There are companies out there that you can pay right. because you actually aggregate data, yep. clean it up and package it to you in a way that's valuable. So what we're saying is don't go buy that list. Use that data to enhance your data. Right. Don't just go buy a list of people who you know fit a certain criteria and expect that to be your only marketing effort is just email them or call them. I do think there's some other applications for that, which we can talk about. But what we're talking about is your contact database of people who have reached out to you, you've had contact in the past or have been customers or existing customers, leveraging that as an opportunity for growth. And it's really, you know, sort of that thing that's just been right in front of you the whole time that maybe you're not necessarily maximizing because you think that is where you get all of your money. So we need to go get money from somewhere else. Right. When in reality, you know, even if you can see 5% or 6% or 10% increase in revenue just by tapping into that. Probably database, more. It's prob- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Probably more. It just depends on the size of the company. Yeah. Anything else we need to add to that? This is a deep conversation. This yeah, is not yeah, easy. This is where IT marketing, yeah. everybody's got to work together to make this happen. It is not just the CEO's decision. We need to do this. There's a lot of buying from everyone else because everybody has their own little protected data, right? Nobody wants anybody else in on that, but you have to consolidate. If you really want to grow in this era, you need to figure out how do you get your data in one place? Yeah. And I think probably the, um, we see a lot of, I guess, adaption or adoption, uh, rather pushback from maybe an older school sales rep or something like that. Or even like you said, a CEO who's like a sole, you know, contributor right. to like the, the sales, the sales, right? You think of a CRM or tracking data as like, you know, a babysitter basically of like, mm-hmm. well, you know, are you doing your job? I need to track how many emails you're sending out and how many calls you're making and all these kind of things. When that's not the case at all. Yes, you want to track activities, but you want to find patterns. You want to find trends. You want to be able to run reports, like you said all for the idea of becoming better, right? Closing more deals, adding more revenue, becoming more profitable. And so if you have issues with adoption, that would be something that you'd look at the sales rep and say, look, this is not for me to babysit you or to make sure that you're doing your job. This is to take the data and find out what you're doing really, really well and double down on that and allow you to make more sales and more money. And as soon as sales reps see that they can leverage this data to their advantage to make more money, there's no problem of, of right, and also helping them understand that if we automate these five, six things that you're doing manually, you can be more efficient. Yep, and that works really well for the sales team, right? And right. there's yeah, it's just scary. Salespeople don't like data entry. Think about exactly the data entry part is contradictive to the automation part, right? Correct, because it's like, well, yeah, we could do all this, but that requires me to take these additional steps. So you do have to kind of find that balance of can I take five minutes to do this to save. 50 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. later in the week or whatever that is. So, of course, you don't want to just create automation for the sake of automation. It does need to benefit you in, in some capacity. And many companies, this is all new information. This is way too much. They're not used to any of this. It's a, it needs to be, like I said, everybody has to understand things yep. are going to be different. But then from there on out, I promise that, you know, they're going to have a better time marketing. Or like I said, when we ask for a list, 
here you go. Mm. It's in five minutes rather than we don't know where to pull this data from. And I think there's a huge, I don't know where else to go. Like I would love to go into their office and show them where the issues are, but believe it or not, a lot of companies have this challenge, not just yeah. small, yeah. even the biggest of ones have this problem. Yeah. Sometimes they may have to create some new database and house this thing. You know, I'm not saying to, they may have to create new systems to be able to house this data, uh, but there's lots that they can do that's readily available, right? Tools yep. and things like that that are readily available if they didn't want to go and create it. it just depends on their technical skill set. So, and if people do want to chat about how they can leverage their contact database, where can they? Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say it would it'd be as simple as sending us a note, filling out a form on our website, because again, this is not one where you can call in on our podcast and we can solve it. Mm. This needs to be customized to their, yeah, exactly. Because we don't know where the data is. Is it in a cloud database? Is it in a local, right? Do you know how many people have QuickBooks that are desktop? Which means that if that desktop blows up, there is no QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just depends on the organization and their technical, you know, know-how. I promise you, I have nothing on premise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything is in the cloud, yeah. right? It's, so it doesn't matter to me what happens. Yeah to any single one of these computers because nothing's going to go away. Yeah. And we've been like that forever. Yeah. I mean, like we have servers that we don't we use. A stack of servers at one when, point. At one point, <laughs> but we got rid of it because we knew this isn't the way and we yeah. got rid of it fast, yeah. right? Like we knew it. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I mean, organizations are still on local servers and on-site servers and things like that. So where is the data? Nobody knows other than, like you said, that one IT person. Right. And the biggest of companies are relying on that. And that's just not it. I mean, you can't market the way we want to market if that's how you're going to keep your data. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. So like Solomon mentioned, if you have questions specifically about leveraging your contact database or creating automation or helping with lead scoring or you know sales automation and sales enablement, whatever that may be, go to our website, oneinvest.com, yeah. reach out to us, fill out the form. If you have questions or topics that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, what's the email for that? That's right. Growthmarketers at oneims.com or growthmarketers.com. Uh, growthmarketers.co that's our website for the podcast or co yeah and we have oneimus.com slash podcast i mean we try to make this information available to everyone mm -hmm. and anyone right we really want to see people grow and transform their business because of it and we are passionate about this stuff otherwise we wouldn't be making podcasts and videos and everything else because yeah. we really truly want to see that so thanks a lot for tuning in i guess that's it for this time we'll catch you next time Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world, one web, one IMS.